Excerpts from Sir Fairchild's journals. Day one. My wife hated me for it, but how could I blame her? Her husband was taking sabbatical from the university, stretching his wings to the wind and leaving for up to two years to find himself. This is what I told her. I couldn't tell her the truth. I had to protect her and the children if something ever happened. Two years is an eternity for children. I pray they forgive me for leaving them alone for so long. The words that came from her mouth hurt terribly. I know she loves me, but I guess what I was presenting her with hurt far more than what I felt. It's only fair I share her pain. The children, on the other hand, dear God, how could I leave them like this? They'll be well taken care of. This I know, for my money is abundant enough to last far past their lifetimes. I embraced every one of them long and hard, wiping away tears and comforting fears. My heart broke with each one. This was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Deep inside, I wondered if this might be the last time I see my family. The decision was hard and I didn't come to this conclusion overnight. I've spent long hours searching in secret, gathering information and digging deep, carefully of course. Jean-Claude was right. By God, he's right. But his words weren't enough. I needed hard evidence. Enough. The more I dwell on this, the less hard I have to do what I must. The boat's ready to leave. I told my family to stay at home because I didn't want to prolong their agony in mine. But now I sit here in my room depressed beyond all understanding. I leave in order to plunge into the abyss of uncertainty. Thus I despair, for this journey has already cost far too much. Chapter Doubt and Fear The day went by slowly, and the night even slower as the pain of Sean's prison became more oppressive than when he had first opened his eyes. There was no food or promise of sustenance only a toilet and dirty faucet water. Sean thought of what he and Albert talked about. As he looked at Albert, Sean was amazed the boy could sleep since there was a big question mark on whether they would ever see the light of day again. He wondered how anyone could sleep through that. He stared at the dripping faucet and began to count each droplet of water falling to the basin. At 98, he shook his head and closed his eyes and tried to envision a peaceful place far away from here. The only thing he could think of was his present location and how everything he had ever learned or thought to know was shattered. Shattered by the sheer evidence of an intelligent race of beings living secretly among them. All of the hype and ridiculous television shows about strange encounters and unexplained phenomena, once dismissed as utter nonsense. He now weighed along with what he saw with his own two eyes. Sean clenched his fists in anger. How many times am I going to go over this? He thought. He wasn't making any headway by thinking this through. He needed more facts. He needed to logically weigh out what he discovered and to deduce a kind of motive or some kind of reason why these beings exist, and how they've influenced politics, monarchies, human civilization, and even religion. Sean shook his head. He was filling gaps with assumptions again. He used to believe that Lisa's spiritual relationship with God was genuine, but now, well, now he didn't know. Sean closed his eyes. Was she somehow deluded? Was this all a way of keeping people complacent, he thought. One thing, he did know, he had to protect his family any way he could. He couldn't let harm come to his family like Albert's sister. Closing his eyes, he envisioned one of the nights he and his wife spent on the ship's deck. It was cold yet comforting and the wind rather gentle as the ship cut through the calm dark blue waters. It was a clear night and all the stars in the heavens were uncommonly bright. 
One could almost reach out and grab them. He remembered how the moon shone majestically off the water's surface, illuminating both the night and the mood. He recalled the soft caresses they exchanged and could almost feel the breath from his nostrils, becoming long streams of vapor in the cool air. The moment was perfect, simple, and pure, void of any concerns, confusion, and normal stresses of the day. Nothing else at this time mattered, nothing else was of any importance other than this quiet, beautiful moment he shared with his wife. He watched her stare up at the heavens, knowing that she, too, cherished it. The dream engulfed his eager embrace. Everything melted away as he entered the dream state. His senses felt extremely acute as he watched Lisa fully take in the moment. Their surroundings caused them to experience a sense of purity and lack of time that seemed to last forever. Sean placed his hand on his wife's cheek. When she looked at him, he said I love you with his lips. Lisa smiled and said I love you through the same manner. Sean, said Lisa, look at the stars up there, aren't they beautiful? Sean looked at the stars again. They were indeed beautiful, but that wasn't all. They radiated such a beautiful light that it seemed to warm him inside. It was as though if he could just reach out and... Sean's mouth dropped as his hand actually reached out and touched the star. He drew it close to him and held it tight on his chest. He felt warmth spread from where the star touched him. It moved in every direction until his whole body felt light. Sean looked at the star. It was gone. He must have absorbed it. He took several breaths, as the light as he felt made him tingle all over. He wasn't afraid. It was as though he was experiencing something he couldn't explain. He looked at Lisa. She smiled and nodded, understanding how he felt. Close your eyes, dear, she said. Sean closed his eyes and immediately saw a vast array of stars, planets, asteroids, moons, comets, solar systems, galaxies, and an unlimited array of heavenly bodies passing before him at an impossible rate. All were unique, none were the same, and all were stunning. There also was no sound, as if it was not needed. What he saw expressed itself in such unrequited beauty that nothing else mattered. Sean opened his eyes, allowing the tears to flow down his cheeks. The star he touched slowly emerged from his chest and took its place again among its brethren. Trying to catch his breath and the feeling he no longer felt, he looked at Lisa. What happened? he asked. Lisa smiled and held her husband's hand. That was but a small taste of what's always around us. All creation is full of his glory. Sometimes we just have to be still and silent, she said. Sean looked up at the night sky again. How many times had he looked there and never seen or felt what he just felt a minute ago? How many sunsets and sunrises had he seen in his lifetime and never stood still to be awed by the majestic beauty, peace, and glory of God's creation? How many times had he stared down and straight ahead, but never up? How many? How many times? Why? He asked Lisa. Why did God create all this? Dear Sean, she smiled again. Oh, that smile, how it always warmed him. Sean, what is love if it's never shown? The creation of something beautiful is the manifestation of a deep fount of love that needs to be expressed. Look at me, said Lisa. I am. No, look deeper than what you can see on the outside. Look within me. Sean squinted hard, but only saw Lisa's beautiful eyes staring lovingly at him. He tried hard to do what she asked, but couldn't. I can't, he said, shaking his head. What I see before me is a beautiful person who changed my life forever, a woman meaning the world to me. Lisa smiled. 
and I feel the same way about you, my love. But don't forget the star. Yes, the star was awesome. Lisa nodded. You'll never look at another star quite the same way again, right? Yeah. Lisa cupped Sean's face with her hands. I have this saying within me. Why couldn't you see it? What? Now, he was really confused. Sean, listen. You base too much on what you see with your eyes. Sometimes you have to close your eyes, be still and quiet, and then see what is really there. Then and only then will you really see and understand. Sean stared back at his wife. I don't under. Shush. She held a finger to his lips. I will always love you throughout all eternity, my love. Lisa kissed Sean on his lips. Don't forget this night. Don't forget everything that has happened, for the answer is right here and will always be here. You just have to close your eyes to see it. Sean opened his eyes and stared at the ceiling of his prison, quickly bringing to mind the present situation. He sighed as he realized it was a dream. How he wished it wasn't. I love you, Lisa, he said softly. You smell that too, Albert whispered, thinking Sean was talking to him. What? That, said Albert. It smells like bacon and, and maybe banana pancakes. Sean sniffed the air several times before he confirmed Albert's assumption. Yeah, it is. I'm sure we'll never taste it. It looks like they're going to deny us food. Don't be too sure. What better way to get us to work with them by first denying us food and then giving us some if we cooperate? Whatever, said Sean. He was depressed and didn't care about hiding it. Whatever happened, his future promised nothing but change. What's wrong with you? asked Albert. Leave it alone, boy. Sean snapped back, irritated. Fine, I only. Footsteps. Someone was coming down the stairs. Both men sat up in their cots in fear, not knowing what the next few seconds would bring. They heard the bolts of several locks being released and watched in horror as the door flew open, swinging hard against the wall. The dark assassin stood there staring at both of them, daring them to try something. His fists were clenched and his face contorted with anger. He pointed a finger at Sean. Sean wasn't able to move for fear of being battered by this monster of a man. Not knowing what to do, he stared at the dark assassin. Go, said Albert softly. You don't want to mess with this guy, trust me. Sean felt himself standing and walking toward the man, his head only reaching the lower part of the dark assassin's chest. Go up the stairs and through the door do came. You will be guided by another once there. Make any other move and believe me, you will regret it, said the dark assassin. Sean walked quickly past the huge man and started ascending the stairs. When he noticed the man was still in the room with Albert, he started to fear for Albert's life. But what could he do? He hoped Albert would keep his wits and not provoke the man again. Sean opened the door and immediately smelled what his mind quickly labeled as breakfast. As he walked into the room, he saw a spotless living room with almond-colored carpeting, several white leather sofas, wooden chairs, and a large 60-inch television with a modern entertainment area. Also within view were a desk with a closed laptop, a fireplace, a coffee table, and dark draped windows. Windows, thought Sean, maybe I could. Someone shoved Sean from behind, pushing him to the floor. Don't even think about it, Duquesne. Sit on the sofa. Sean, fearing for his life, crawled to the nearest sofa and sat down. He didn't look up at the man who had pushed him, but instead stare at the carpet. The last thing he needed was to stare into the eyes of another man controlled by these beings. The man sat on the sofa next to Sean. 
Do you understand why you're here? Sean shook his head. Please answer me when I ask you a question. No. You mean to tell me you have no idea whatsoever why you and Mr. Spencer were detained? Not fully, Sean answered hesitantly. The man smiled. Now that makes more sense. The man paused. Are you afraid of me, Mr. Duquesne? He asked. Sean remained silent. Remember what I told you before. Yes, yes, I'm scared. I don't know what you are and what you're going to do with me. Sean said quickly, trying desperately to fight back the tears. He didn't know whether he was going to live or die. Look at me. Sean continued to look at the floor. I said, look at me. Sean took a deep breath, then slowly looked up at the man talking to him. The man didn't have the same unnatural eyes as the big one downstairs and was of normal stature. He looked human. You're not like the other one, said Sean. The man smiled. Thank you. I'd like to think of myself as better than that mindless brute down there. Then you're, you're human. The man stared blankly at Sean for a while. We're both human. But he, he's not, really. You don't look like. The man held up his hand. You'll understand soon enough, but for now, I'll ask the questions, okay? Sean nodded. The man stared at him, irritated. Yes. Sean answered quickly. The man sighed. All right. Now that we understand each other, let's get started. My name is Agent Brown, and I'm with the Federal Bureau of Investigations. I'm here too. Sean couldn't believe his luck. The FBI? I can't believe it. Can you get us out of here? We need your... Brown ignored Sean and continued. I'm here to inquire just how much you know about the beings you stumbled onto. It is my role to investigate your degree of knowledge and, if need be, silence you permanently if your life doesn't show any promise to the cause. The what? The cause. But you're with the FBI. You're... Agent Brown leaned closer to Sean. You have no idea how deep our influence goes, do you? Sean couldn't believe this. His only brief glimpse of hope turned out to be working with these life forms. And if the FBI was tainted, then what other government officials were corrupt? There was surely no hope for him if he couldn't trust anyone, for as far as he knew, even the president could be working for them. And it probably didn't stop there. If this government was infiltrated, then other governments around the world could be too. My God, the implications, he thought. Was mankind truly not in control of their destiny? Are we a slave race to these beings? Sean stared at the floor again. No, he thought. If they had true control over mankind, then they wouldn't be so secretive about it. No, they have a weakness they're trying hard to keep secret. Ah, I see you do understand, said Agent Brown. Good. Then we can move on. And by the way, look at me at all times. I take offense when we don't see eye to eye. Sean looked back at Agent Brown. Good. Now, tell me exactly what you know. I still think we should kill him, said the dark assassin to Albert. Of course you do, you idiot. Anything requiring higher thought is totally alien to you. Let me tell you another thing, said Albert. I remember standing over Fairchild's grave with another. I was arrogant to think the matter was resolved, but look what happened, it returned. We made some horrible mistakes back then, and I'm not going to do it again. Killing isn't always the answer. Sometimes controlling the mind can be more beneficial. So he will be absorbed, possessed, asked the dark assassin. Halbert shook his head. No, my dim-witted fiend. As I said, a converted mind is the best course of action. 
That's all I know, said Sean, spilling his guts to the FBI agent. That's not much. I think you're holding back, said Agent Brown. No, I'm not, I swear. I didn't even read Albert's manuscript. I was on vacation at the time. Oh yes, your vacation. Agent Brown reached for a remote and activated the television and DVD player. I'm sorry, I almost forgot. Sean watched in horror as two dark assassins, smaller in size and stature to the one with Albert, slowly stalked Cal and Catherine Beckman into the corner of a room and brutally twisted their necks. When their necks were twisted, there came a sickening popping sound and the two fell to the floor, twitching uncontrollably as their lives slowly slipped away. Sean stared blankly at the lifeless eyes of his recently new friends and then turned away. He didn't want to see any more. Agent Brown smiled at Sean's response. This was just to show you we're serious when we say your life and the lives of others mean nothing to us. We'll do whatever deemed necessary to get what we want. He turned off the television. Sean looked at Agent Brown, remembering what he said about making eye contact. Why? He asked. Why did we kill them? Agent Brown responded. Yes, Sean said softly. Because we wanted you to see what could happen to your wife if you don't cooperate. Lisa, dear God no, he thought. He must keep them from his family. Do whatever you want with me, but please leave my family alone. Agent Brown nodded. Now, we can really get started. Are you hungry, Mr. Duquesne? Yes. Sean closed his eyes and all of a sudden realized what was happening. They knew he didn't know much. They just wanted to break his spirit before they really revealed to him what they wanted. Good. Now before we eat, let's get some things straight. We do not tolerate being exposed or revealed to the public. They're better off not knowing about us. People are better off being led. They don't care about the truth, only that they're comfortable. If you ever break this most important rule, then you and the lives of those you hold dear will be quickly disposed of. Second, he said quickly, we will reveal to you the purpose of our existence and nothing more. You don't need to know our infrastructure or levels of influence. And thirdly, you must do whatever we ask of you or, yet again, you and the lives of your family will be lost. Do you understand? Yes, but Agent Brown held up his hand. What little you know of us, we don't care. At this moment, we need your assistance in a certain delicate matter. Brown leaned closer. Refuse us, and we'll start with the life of your youngest child. Brad, Sean thought. No, what am I getting involved with? But I don't have a choice. With my family's lives at stake, how can I not refuse? I, I understand, he responded. Good. Just so you know, it's not really that bad. I, too, was given this choice some time ago, and trust me, it does come with its benefits. Yeah, but at what expense? Sean thought to himself. When they got what they want from me, what guarantee do I have I won't be killed? Okay, said Sean. Agent Brown proceeded. Long time ago, even before mankind's emergence as a semi-intelligent creature, they were. This is really their planet. They've been here thousands, oh, maybe millions of years before us. They're beings made from different stuff from us. Some may say they exist in and out of our plane of existence, trapped in limbo, and never being in one place but stuck between the two. In order to stay in our plane, they'd inhabit dumb animals, exerting their wills upon them. They have the foresight and patience to see that, over a long period of time, some of these animals may have the chance of evolving into something more. 
so they waited as man evolved into a thinking creature. Once man reached an appropriate stage in his evolution, they inhabited humans and influenced their civilizations. Believe me, if left alone, I doubt we would have achieved the level of civilization we see today. So, why do they bother helping us advance? Their goal is to help mankind reach the level of existence, able to create the perfect symbiotic relationship. You mean to create perfect husks so they could live in our plane of existence, thought Sean. Finally, Agent Brown continued. As a unified entity, they could live in perfect harmony on this planet, and we at the same time would achieve a level of existence far surpassing what we see now. That day is rapidly approaching. Well, maybe not in our lifetime, but very soon. Unfortunately, as mankind reaches new levels of intelligence, these beings' existence becomes more visible and, well, fragile. Call it growing pains. Mankind is slowly becoming more aware of their existence, and this has caused them great concern. How do they handle this? They surely couldn't destroy us when they depend so much on us. They couldn't keep us from advancing intellectually because this would hinder their ultimate goal. Their best approach was to establish a working relationship with a select few to protect their interests. I'm one of many such people. And you could be too. But before we go there, there's a price. It calls for 100% loyalty, something we must be sure of in advance. It also calls for the rejection of any preconceived thoughts or beliefs you may hold dear. For these things were created to pacify mankind and to keep him docile and content. Sean felt a coldness developing within him. He shivered and tried to wait patiently for what he feared was coming next. Agent Brown continued. Here are but a few important ones to start with. 1. Mankind is not alone in the universe, and there are other intelligent beings around, especially those on this planet besides him. 2. Mankind is not in charge of his own destiny. We have a master that has our best interests at heart. And 3. This is most important, there is no God. There never was and never will be. They develop religion to help mankind accept their wishes. Now, once you've understood and fully accepted these three important rules, we can continue. Agent Brown stood up. Your friend Albert is having a problem with one of the three. Don't make the same mistake, since they don't have much patience for defiance. Agent Brown motioned for Sean to stand up. As you can see, it's a lot more comfortable up here. In one hour, I would like to have your decision, but for now, go back to your cell. Okay, Sean said almost mechanically. He didn't know what else to say. His entire world was being turned upside down. He turned and walked slowly to the door, paused, then walked back down to the basement. The dark assassin was standing at the base of the stairs with his arms folded and his glasses completely off. As Sean approached, the massive man smiled. So, now do you know? Know this. I find your kind weak and pathetic. If it was up to me, I'd kill you all. Now get in there and make your decision. The dark assassin grabbed Sean by the back of his shirt and threw him into the depressing cell he'd left minutes ago. You have exactly one hour. Smiling devilishly, he slammed the door shut and locked it. Sean didn't move from where he landed. He slowly folded his arms beneath his head and started crying, not just for himself and his family, but for all humanity. For what hope did they all have, if from the very beginning, mankind was destined to be subservient to these beings? Upstairs, the dark assassin shut the basement door and then glared at Agent Brown. Well, Agent Brown lowered his eyes. He couldn't bear to stare at the uncovered eyes of the dark assassin. 
It was as if he was looking at hell itself. He'll buy it. He's an educated man trained to look at the hard facts. Agent Brown shrugged. There's really nothing else he can turn to right now. Plus the fact, we have Albert working on him down there too. The dark assassin looked at Agent Brown looking away from him and remembered his shades. After he put them on, he talked again. Albert's going to die. What? said Brown in disbelief. Sit down. The dark assassin said in disgust. He really did hate man. These pathetic, imperfect creatures. Able to look at the dark assassin again, Agent Brown held his hands together, pleading for forgiveness. Please, please, don't be displeased with me. I don't really understand. The dark assassin grunted, waving his hand to dismiss Agent Brown's plea for forgiveness. Albert Spencer's body will serve its purpose when Duquesne has denounced his belief in his god. After that, he'll be ours to use against Anne-Marie if needed. However, after Spencer dies, the one in charge inhabiting him now will need a place to reside. Are you ready? Me? Agent Brown couldn't believe it. This honor was far from what he had ever imagined. This would greatly add to his already high position. Yes, yes, of course. This honor is more than I've ever expected. I, fine, just be ready. Pathetic, thought the dark assassin. What choice did he have? What else could he do? If he said no, they were going to kill Brad, and he couldn't let that happen. But those three rules, it was as if he was signing away his humanity or something. If he said yes, then that would at least protect his family from any harm. Should he do it? Could he be a puppet to these beings? Well, from what he heard, the entire human race was already puppets, whether they knew it or not. If he was somehow a puppet before in ignorance, what difference did it make if he was a puppet in knowing the truth? He heard heavy footsteps coming down the stairs. My God, was the hour up already? He thought, amazed at how quickly the time flew. Sean sat up just as the door flew open. The dark assassin looked at Sean for a long while, then smiled. He then walked over to Albert and lifted him effortlessly out of the bed by his shirt. Albert squealed as he hummed in the air, held by the dark assassin's powerful hand. Your time is also up, Mr. Spencer. What is your decision? asked the dark assassin. Albert acted as though he was gathering whatever boldness he had left within him. No, go ahead and kill my family. They're better off dead and free from you than being your slaves. But I've told others you don't know about. And if I'm dead, you'll never know. Albert, what are you saying? Shouted Sean in disbelief. The boy was going to get his family killed. The dark assassin turned his head toward Sean. Let's help you a better sense. With his other hand, the dark assassin quickly pushed Albert's head backwards, breaking his neck instantly. He dropped the twitching student to the floor and ignored him as he walked to Sean. Sean looked helplessly at Albert and was about to cry again when he saw the looming figure of the dark assassin above him. Sean too was lifted violently off the floor by his shirt and drawn close to the dark assassin's face. And what is your answer, little man? Death. Sean saw nothing but death in the hidden eyes of the dark assassin. He saw an evil that would not hesitate in inflicting pain or killing him, if it suited his needs. By accepting, Sean would be joining this darkness. And for what reason? Just to save his family. Yes, he had to. With that decision, he felt an uneasiness deep inside him. Well, I won't ask you again, the dark assassin growled. Yes, I accept, said Sean softly. Sean felt sick to his stomach. What? Speak up. Yes, I accept, said Sean louder. 
The dark assassin smiled. You mean to tell me you accept the fact that man is not the most intelligent being on this planet? Yes. The sickness turned into a hollow, empty feeling. The dark assassin continued. You mean to tell me you believe mankind has a master in us? Yes. The dark assassin looked deep into Sean's eyes. You mean to tell me you believe there is no God? A short pause then, yes. The dark assassin nodded and then placed Sean gently back on the floor. I believe you. He smiled then pointed to the stairs. Go back upstairs. Agent Brown is waiting for you. I got some garbage to get rid of here. I can't believe it, thought Agent Brown. I'm going to be hosting one of my master's trusted associates. This honor is usually bestowed upon those higher than myself, like the Dark Assassins. Well, there's Albert, but he was absorbed. It was never a mutual joining. But this, this will greatly increase my influence and power. I must make the most of it and work humbly with this associate. Wait. Agent Brown closed his eyes. Something was happening. Yes, he thought. It's happening. Albert must be dead. I can feel him coming. Yes, yes, please come. I welcome you. Agent Brown felt a tingling all over. He remained seated when he started to see something forming in his mind's eye. It was horrible. He opened his eyes. No, get back. This can't be right. Get away from me. He tried to scream. However, no words came from his mouth since he was completely paralyzed. The associate, a hideous amoeboid-shaped force, moved quickly toward him. A sickly black haze seemed to hover in front of it as it moved. Agent Brown saw two darker circles in the center, darker than anything ever imagined. It seemed to have no end. Any source of light hitting the dark circles seemed to be absorbed. Agent Brown tried to look away from the circles but couldn't. Those things can't be eyes, can it? He thought. Pain? No. Agent Brown looked down at his hands and saw the darkness entering them. A sick yellow color was overcoming the natural color in his hands. He was being absorbed. No. Please, we were to be joined. Forgive me, I was afraid of your form. I was not prepared. Please, I beg your forgiveness. Don't hurt me, please. Agent Brown felt his life force being drained. The pain was unbearable. Why was this happening? Because the one thing we hate more than anything is this thing that was created to mock us, man, answered the darkness. I'm your friend. I mean you no harm. I've sacrificed everything for you. Yes, I know. Thank you. But as with every one of you trusting us, it's your physical and spiritual death we desire. Nothing else. Don't worry. I'll take good care of your body before I discard it. No, please. I beg you. No, oh, oh. The very last of Agent Brown was absorbed. Agent Brown opened his eyes and flexed his neck. Where there was supposed to be eyes were nothing but dark sockets containing a black emptiness deeper than anything imaginable. A hideous ancient force now in charge. The door opened. As Agent Brown's eyes turned back to normal. He said, Come in Sean there's much we have to discuss.